Howdy folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and we got a great one for you today. Today, we're connecting with Troy Fowler, otherwise known as the Ranch Fairy. Um, it's a unique name for the hunting industry, so anyone willing to call himself a fairy. Uh, that being said, Troy is a unique guy uh, with a lot of unique ideas and some amazing stories, uh, and I'm super glad that he was able to make it on the podcast today and tell some of these stories for, uh, for you listeners. Um, today, we're going to go into some fishing stories, elk, deer, turkey, hog, of course, and everything in between. So, Troy, thank you for coming on the podcast. To everyone else out there, the listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, provider and share the podcast with at least one person so that more folks are reaching out to me to tell amazing stories because we're always looking for more storytellers. Uh, So I'll stop there. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Um, I'm going to pass the ball to Troy and let him tell you his stories. Thank you. All right, Troy, welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast, brother. How are you? Very good, man. Very good. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a little bit different uh, road to travel, and I have a lot of BS to say, so we're good there, too. Some of it's actually true. Yeah, our yeah, paths have crossed, and I know true. I know you got some stories. I know you got some stories. I, I knew as soon as yeah. I uh, recently you came back across my life, uh, someone sent me a YouTube video and was like, if you're going to go hog hunting, you have to watch this video. And as soon as you popped up on my screen, I was like, oh, I got to talk to that guy. I, I've got to yeah, talk right. to Troy. I'm sure Thank he's you. got a million stories um, beyond the fact that you're just filled with a ton of knowledge, whether it be archery, you know, arrow weight, I know is your specialty or just hunting and general yep. fishing, all that stuff. Uh, I need I to do you. more fishing content. Yeah. I'd fish well, a lot. I just loaded up the boat. I'm going in the morning. I mean, good for you. Going bass fishing in, in the morning. So, if, well, if you have any good hunting or fishing stories, feel free to tell. No, one we're going to talk I, fishing. I, I got a picture right back there. I want to show. Perfect, perfect. I've heard some people say that all fishing stories are the same, so I love it when people uh, prove that wrong. Same with duck hunting. So, but either way, yeah, I know right. who you are, Troy. Let's introduce you. Let let let's let you introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are we talking to today? All right. Well, let me tell a story then. Perfect. So, by strange course of events that never intended for me to become anything or be on any podcast and stay in a hole with a tinfoil hat on. I was struggling (laughs) killing. um, I I killed a Pope and young deer right up there. Well, you can't see. I killed a 155 inch low fence deer in Fredericksburg in 2007. And I stopped hunting deer. I'm a weird guy. I caught a nine, six tiger shark off the beach, caught it, tail roped it, released it, quit shark fishing. I caught a 10 pound bass. Box, still, moving on. Yeah. I, I caught a 10 pound bass after four years. I'll talk about that. And I'm still after one because one of the lakes that I was fishing owes me a 10 pound bass. I caught it out of another one. <laughs> and so, but I never lost my passion for bow hunting, really big feral hogs, and they're not easy. But everybody here in tech, you know, thinks you're Texas, you're deer feeder hunting. They're not, you don't get big ones in front of you a lot. You, uh, when I really get on them, I've been hunting one pig. I just posted a picture of for three years. Yeah. Is it He's 250 right? pounds. He's a huge one. And I ne- I've seen him twice hunting him and never gotten a shot at him. And, um, so I figured out a system to get them in front of me. I figured out the wind approach. I stopped wearing boot. You have to wear rubber boots a lot of the time because they can smell your footprints. There's a lot of tricks to getting the big ones in front of you. And then when they get in front of you at a deer feeder, they think they're right. 
-hmm. They're pretty down. I mean, you shoot a 200 pound pig anywhere in Texas. He's four years old. He's been around shot at every truck guy blasting at him. And he's seen a lot of pigs die in front of him. Yeah. When people are blasting away. So when they do come in, they're convinced they're not dying that day. They've checked all their boxes. And I was about 50% at killing them at 17 yards at one time. And no, a lot of people don't like to admit that, right? Yeah. But I don't care. I'm not that guy. <laughs> so I was really frustrated because I was working pretty hard at it. And then you get half an arrow in them and you don't get them. Yeah. They're so I, players. well, they're not. It's just a, the arrow platforms we're shooting at them are not adequate for, the, for doing the job. They're like little Cape Buffalo in their physiology. So they're not tough. They're, you're just not shooting adequate gear at them. So I started a channel. I started reading Dr. Ed Ashby's Natal study where he studied arrow penetration on animals from impalas up to Cape Buffalo. He shot two rhinos with a bow. And I said, well, I have nothing to lose trying this because what I'm doing isn't working yeah. half the time. And they're right there. It's not like I'm shooting 80 yards at him or something. So I'll tell my first story. So <laughs> to start the channel, he recommended bear shaft tuning. And I said, okay, fine. I shot trad. I said, I'm shooting a trad bow. I'm shooting the head that he was shooting, which is the 190 grain grizzly. I'm going to learn to sharpen on my own. This is 2012. There's no information. Okay. Yeah. The internet's just barely going. I had to figure out how to bear shaft tune a longbow with some random things I read. It took me three days, and I finally got a bear shaft. You have to cut them, and it's kind of a process. And I got a bear shaft to fly perfect. And I backed up to 20, and it stayed on mine. And I went, oh, my. Arrow was 670 grains, four descenders in the high 20s, shooting a three-inch long broadhead. And I say, fine. Here we go. If this Ed guy's right, this is going to work. So I go to the ranch and I say, I'm going to go try to find me a test pig. You know, you need one like 100 pounds. Yeah. No. <laughs> I get up on the biggest pig I've killed to date. No way. <laughs> no kidding. His skull's right up there. He's 265 pounds. Ooh. And that's guts in. And I see him and I just go, come on, man. I mean, really? Like, so he's a tank. So I start stalking. I get into about 17 yards on him. And he sees me. I don't wear camouflage. So I'm just in like the Steve Irwin brown suit. And he <laughs> sees me and, and pigs don't bend in the middle. So they tend to swivel. And he kind of swivels in quarters to me. I'm shooting 53 pounds. The arrow's probably going 150 feet per second. And I draw back and said, God, Ed, I hope you're right. And I hold low on his shoulder and I, I turn it loose and there's a chut sound and the arrow penetrates five feet. Yeah, just right there. The broadhead popped out his butt. It was sticking that far. Well, it was sticking three inches out of his rear, out of his rear ham. It fully went full length through a five foot long pig. Yeah. God. He ran a hundred yards and went down. Yeah. I bet. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. And that's why the channel started. And I said, well, if we can increase velocity 
and shoot that same arrow and go faster and have better trajectory. Cause I knew I couldn't shoot 30, 35 yards. Really. I mean, it's not realistic for hunting. Yeah. So I needed to be tight. Well, I got lucky. I got 17 yards. Right. So that's why the channel started because this arrow penet- I was used to getting half an arrow hearing a big popping sound, a lot of shaking. The arrows didn't penetrate very well. I shot max. I shot three blades. I shot punch points. I had all the stuff. Right. How heavy do you think your and arrow I was, fast. was before you made this switch? Yeah, before I made the switch, right? And well, I said, "Well, how, how heavy do you think it, your arrow was before that switch?" Oh, four hundred grains. I was shooting stock stuff. I was shooting okay. aluminum inserts and three hundred and forty spine arrows and seventy pounds, like everybody on earth told you. And they just said pigs are just tough. No, it's bullshit. They're not <laughs> tough. They're not. Their physiology is no different than anything else on the earth. They have small kill zones. And they have a very, uh, very narrow spacing between their ribs that are very short and blunt. And next time you get a rack of ribs in front of you, pull the meat out in between and look how narrow it is. You always hit bone on impact. And they're short, brutal bones. So anyway, I said, I got to show people this. And if we can increase velocity and go 240 feet per second from what I was doing, then it's got to be better. And off we went. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the first story is I shoot, I have not shot a pig that big ever again. That's a big And pig. I, five feet of penetration. That's pretty crazy. It wasn't five. It wasn't the arrow length. It was just disappeared in it. I was like, yeah. I remember seeing the arrow go into him and I went, what? Like, what? It just like, like he wasn't there. It went chut, cut the, it cut the, the shoulder blade off made this really kind of abrupt chut sound and the fletching just disappeared in it. And I went, I was expecting walk, you know, and shaking right and have half an arrow in it. No, no full length through it. And so off I went. Right. Yeah. And that's where the, the YouTube channel started. Right. uh, That's my, that's one of my, that's the story around the hunting story around the channel. And then when I did increase velocity and I got the broadhead sharp and all the other things I do, you know, off to the races. And I never thought anybody would think anything of it. I, th- yeah. I thought I would be left and have 2000 subscribers and everybody say that's the dork in the world, but it's gotten <laughs> out of hand. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna, well, let me go back. Just one thing. Um, I, I'm going to just go throw it out there for you. Cause I, this has happened multiple times on the podcast before, but people just get excited and jump into story, but we're talking to Troy Fowler, otherwise known as the ranch, the ranch fairy. fairy. Yeah. yeah. So that's where that all comes from. Or, well, that's not where that comes from. Um, but that's where the YouTube channel started. Um, yeah. and you can go into the, the story of how you got the name ranch fairy or not. Or oh, it's pretty story. simple. I run the ranch for the family and I called myself that 15 years ago. So the family wants everything to be in order and yeah. they know, want to know where the deer are and the feeder's got to be running and the scooter's got to be driving and AC's got to be working and I'm the ranch manager gotcha. and I like it. It's part of who I am. That's who I'm built. God gave me the gift of discipleship and mentoring yeah. and it's naturally been a natural, it's a natural outflow of that. So. I just started calling myself the ranch fairy. And then okay. when I Googled it, there was nothing. Yeah. Like, and in the bow hunting space, no one's going to forget that stuff. Cause it's <laughs> tough guy, tattoos, tan steroids. Now it's all the workout clowns. And, uh, it really was great. It took off and, you know, Troy Fowler channel wouldn't have been as popular. 
For sure, for sure. Definitely the Ranch Ferry does stand out. Um, if you don't mind me asking, I, I actually haven't looked. I probably could just look it up myself. But how many how many subscribers do you have to your channel nowadays? I think I have 65 or 66,000. I don't know. I don't keep up with it that that closely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's, it's a pretty uh, solid. It's a pretty solid following. I, I like I said, I never expected it. I'm so off the wall and so out of bounds for the archery industry. I figured that I would be just left alone. I mean, not left alone, just kind of left in the hole over yeah. there and it got I guess there was pent up demand nobody saw. I think so. That's the only thing I can think. I'm a professional sales and marketing person and you have to think like that, like the customer. And through using, I leveraged the feral hog population at the ranch to shoot live targets at, at whitetail distances and test arrows, right? So I guess there was just a pent up demand and, and people were actually having trouble killing stuff. I mean, yeah. that's the only, that's the only, that's the only dots I can connect yeah. is that there was actually, cause I get accused by some of the haters and some of the, a lot of the industry guys have said some pretty crazy stuff about me, which is weird, but, um, <laughs> it's like, who, why do they I guess, care? let you do, why you, do they right? even care? Yeah. Right. Just, just leave me alone. Like I'm the guy who just, you know, did front shocks on a pickup truck today. And so, um, I guess from a lethality perspective, the accusation has been, it's just a fad. It's going to go away. This dude doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. But from a marketing and sales perspective, you stand outside your brand and stare back into the ether and say, what the hell is going on? I don't think that's it. I actually do think people have been struggling I think that effectiveness has been lower than we think. Yeah. And when you take a, I'm glad your guide sent y'all, sent y'all that video on the shot. I assume it's a shot placement video. Yep. Absolutely. And so the physiology of a feral hog, and I'm also a respiratory therapist and I also had cadavers. So I've actually had human lungs and hearts in my hands with pins in them for a test with a yeah. sheet with no, with just lines on it. You had to know what arteries and stuff you're looking at. So I guess I'm a weird algorithm of, I actually do know the physiology. Yeah. There's, you can't BS me there. Right. I believe it. And then tearing them apart and actually looking at what goes on there. But I, I, I really do think there was an unmet efficiency on lethality that we didn't understand. Yeah. I believe it. And, and if I it goes it away, mean, fine. You know? Yeah. Well, I think I more and more care. people are, are starting to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, you know, to say, right. When I, I, I'm a bigger guy, so I've got long draw, 250, uh, spined arrow. My arrows weigh yeah, sure. a shade under 600 and everyone's always like, Ooh, yeah, right. That's a beautiful what arrow. Shooting, yep. What are you shooting things that heavy for? And I'm like, it's just the way my arrows get built with how big I am. Mm -hmm. um, but all of a sudden, you know, three years ago, everybody was like, oh, that that's too heavy. And uh, I moved away from like uh, FMJs because I wanted to get a lighter arrow shaft. Oh, they're terrible. I'm yes. I'm, I'm still plenty heavy, but now everyone else is starting to catch up with me. So I think that I think that you're on to something just a little bit ahead of everybody else. Um, either way, we, we do this a lot on this podcast, which is we go off topic. We don't need to talk about all that arrow stuff. Um, what we got to do is hear some of your stories. Um, so all right. Well, I want to I can't show a picture. So we'll share it on the Instagram first... if you can uh, if you can send it to me. 
Uh, I didn't. I haven't posted it. So um, when I was young and nubile, I fell in love with shark fishing on the beach. So it's a big deal now. This is pre-internet, and the internet allowed everyone to see that you actually don't die if you drive 40 miles down the beach through the heavy sand in four-wheel drive. And you can come back and you won't get murdered by illegal aliens or anybody, ghosts and, and pirates. But back when we were younger, everybody thought you were going to die. And I knew we were going to die and I didn't care. And we shark fished for a dozen years and I finally caught a big nine and a half foot, probably 325 pound shark. And it was just epic. I mean, we had two baits go off at the same time, 10 o'clock in the morning. Wasn't any crazy deal. Um, at that time, our, uh, do what? What kind of shark? Tiger. Okay. And at that time, our leaders were 10 feet long. The one my buddy hooked was longer than 10 feet because it tail whipped the 50 pound mono that we used for mainline when we, and broke it. When we got it in, it was sandpapered like, so the tail was, who knows how long it was. It was longer than 10 feet and the tail was hitting the line and just shredded through it. And, and, and cause it was about three feet of the line was from it wrapping around the tail was just sandpaper and broke off. Wow. That's crazy. Mine happened to be shorter than the leader. <laughs> <laughs> and after an hour I landed it and it was just truly one of the coolest experiences in my in my life and then the other one down there um in the fall the fishing gets really really crazy redfish tarpon yeah spanish jackfish trout get crazy it's really a mixed bag and i intended one day to go trout fishing well god had other plans so i drive up on about 40 tarpon right there i mean they're <laughs> They're a castaway. Yeah. Heads coming out of the water, eating bait. And I see a truck and I had no leader material. And I drive up and this guy named Roland Saraday, who's a dentist in Austin, is tarpon fishing. They're on a pot of tarpon. And I said, do you have any leader material? He said, well, I got 50. I said, can I have some? He cut me off like 20 feet of it. So I tie in a leader. I put on a two-inch Rapala. That's the most inappropriate tarpon lure on the dadgum earth. And I'm looking in the water and I go, I have 12 pound test. I have 200 yards of 12 pound line. I kind of know what I can get away with. And I'm looking at the fish going, nope, nope, nope. Can't throw with that one. And I see one about four feet and I fire it over there and a 60 incher eats it. Wow. And comes out of the water and I say, oh no. Like I'm screwed, right? 11 jumps. That Rapala hooked him right in the button in the top of the nose. No there was no other place that it was stock hooks. I mean, I was the luckiest guy on earth. There's no way I should have caught that fish on a Rapala. And 45 minutes later, I mean, I'm wrestling back and forth. What he did was he went up current. So I just chased him. Yeah. And then he would go back and I'd just run with him. If he had gone to Cuba, he'd have stripped me out. But it didn't. It got in the second gut and just went back and forth. And I just ran back and forth re- reeling as I was running. It was, I'm sure I looked like a maniac. And <laughs> I get him up to the beach and I can't do anything with him. I got a six foot medium action rod. 
and I never set my rods on the sand. It's a it's a curse. If you set them even near the sand, sand's getting in your reel. It is a it is the number one bad thing to do. Okay. The fish is like seven feet from me and just swimming back and forth, and I can't do nothing with it. And the line breaks. Oh no. And I take the rod and I just throw it over my head and I went MMA. I freaking <laughs> dove on him and I pinned him on the bottom. <laughs> And I pinned him on the bottom and picked him up. And I said, okay, well, yeah, that's one way to land them. <laughs> and uh, that was the only thing. So I was the only time I've thrown a rod in the sand. But it was, a, you know, it was an emergency. Unique circumstance. It was an emergency. So that was a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun down there uh, vlogging around and having a lot of bad trips. And it's yeah. a really wild, very uh, dynamic ecosystem. And if you can't evolve, it evolves right in front of you. It just changes constantly. It's not like fishing in a lake. The Literally, the water changes because the tide go out and everything. The conditions change around. I really enjoy that it's a super challenging ecosystem to fish in. Yeah. I'm, uh, and then to be successful. I'm not much of a fisherman. I'm trying to learn. I wasn't raised in the mm-hmm. outdoors, so I just didn't pick up yep. any of that stuff when I was younger. Um, yeah. But now that I'm down here in Texas, like that's that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to get into and trying to learn. Uh, I know I mentioned that I lived on the Guadalupe for a little while, the river. Um, I went down there, didn't even have a rod, and I just see these big old fish. Turns out they were carp. But I went down. Yep. This, you might find this funny, but I was like, how, how can I get these fish? And so I go back right. and grab. And at the time, I was a very novice archer as well. So I grabbed my arrows. <laughs> yeah, right. You can shoot them. Nobody cares. Yep, that's what I was trying to do. So I'm just standing there on the side of the Guadalupe and uh, what used to be Lake Dunlap and just firing my bow into the water. Uh, it didn't have any luck. I didn't understand how the light reflects and that I needed to aim yeah, right. off a little bit. Now I do, but yeah, I need to uh, I need to learn a lot more about fishing, but that's uh, those are pretty great fishing stories. I've never heard of anyone tackling a fish to finally bring it in. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I used to be a pretty good carp fisherman, which is crazy. My When my kids were little... You know, they don't like to sit still and stuff. We put a deer feeder on my buddy's dock on Lake Travis. So I bought one of those deer feeders that shoots shoots it out the front. Yeah. Right? They're Good directional or whatever. Right. And you put protein pellets in it. And every day at 530, that bitch goes off for 10 seconds. And we would get either worms or corn or make dough bait. All of my uh, three kids, all of my kids, by the time they were 10, had caught a 30-pound fish. Wow. Because the carp, nobody messes with them, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I've got pictures of my kids, and they're holding the fish up, you know, and it's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> 40, 35-inch long carp and buffalo. They, they had so much fun with that. And the kids can swim and stuff, and then they'll calm down, and then you can fish a little bit. And it's really, really fun way to do it. It's uh, yeah. Brains, you get you some dad gum protein pellets and feed them about three days. You can catch them, and they okay. they go. Oh, they're super fun to catch. It's a it's a really an underutilized uh, resource because yeah. they pull like crazy. You put them on eight pound tests and just hope to God you can stop them. I mean, it's so much fun to catch a twenty pound fish. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they go they were, like they were some of the biggest fish I've ever seen. I'm not, I'm not good at eyeballing and telling you how big they were, but right. I'm saying they were pff, at least two. They were 10 long. or 15 pounders. Yeah. They're spawning yeah. right now. Yeah. And, and after I flew a couple arrows in, I tried to actually, I tried to spear them with my arrow and I hit them, yeah, right. but I, I couldn't actually penetrate. They're tough. They're, they're thick skinned, I guess. I don't know. They have really, really hard scales. And so oh, they're hard to penetrate. Be. You have to really hit them good. Tell me about the sheep back there. What, what is that? Oh, <laughs> that is that is not my sheep. That is actually my father-in-law's. Um, no kidding. And I, yeah, and I'll try and tell you this story. So we'll start it off with um, I, I wanted to get him on the podcast. Is actually when I had the idea originally, and I brought him up mm-hmm. a couple times, told a couple stories about him. Um, but he was the first person I ever went hunting with. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, my very first morning out elk hunting in Washington. We, I didn't know what I was doing, but all I did know is that it didn't feel right because he was crawling around me, taking photos. Mm-hmm. Like It was just the most ridiculous thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, he, he passed away this year. Um, oh, I'm did, sorry to hear that. Nobody, yeah, it's, it's, it was sad. But unfortunately, he lived down here in Texas, and we were able to be here for the last couple months, yep. which um, yep. it was a little it was a bit of a surprise. We moved down. He had kind of, it, it gotten to the point that we thought he was actually doing all right pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer he, is what he had he'd had yep. it for five years at this point yep. and he was just he's fighting man just a fighter um but it, it kind of it finally finally won uh at the end but no, no one sucks. wanted to ram um and uh, my mother-in-law was like you know you guys always had hunting you know he was the only the only thing resembling a mentor that i had and i was like absolutely i would love to have absolutely it. So, you take that right um, that's it's yeah, a exactly. great memory it's it's beautiful it's heavy um he does have a good story with it i'll try and tell it it's not my story um but my uh my father-in-law was a little bit of a, a hellraiser and so he liked to cause mm-hmm. trouble right and so he went up you get the tag pretty easy up there and he went and, and there's not too much to the actual story itself uh, he hasn't at least told me that part but the part he's proud about is when you shoot a ram in canada you got to take it in and they got to inspect it. And there's a certain number of, you know, rings to prove that it's of age so that you can actually get it. And so this ram on one side is not eligible. On the other side it is, which is all you need. You need one 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 horn to have the number of rings. So he takes it in. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So he takes it into the, you know, Department of Wildlife or whatever the division is and he takes his head in and he puts it on the desk. So that the bad horn is facing up, just totally intentionally, and all these guys are looking at yeah, him. Yeah, right. He's just, he's just ready to. They're all. He, look, he like sees them getting out a thing to give him a ticket or what, whatever, and and then he goes. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, it's been a while since I heard this story, but basically, he flips it over and goes, "There you go, boys. She's legal. Calm down." <laughs> <laughs> So he's just you know getting a rise out of the the wardens, but uh, yeah, that that ram is uh, you know. It's a little piece of a little memory that I have of the the, the first person I ever hunted with. No, oh, that's a that is a that's a fantastic thing to have around. I like, I tell people all the time, I have a shitload of guns, and most of them are inherited. They're heirlooms. I just got one. I'm going to get one from a friend of mine. My dad, um, <clears throat> my dad's best friend was we called him Uncle Ronnie, but he wasn't my uncle, and yeah. he was the comptroller for the King Ranch for. 20 some odd years. We used to go to the King Ranch when I was like 12 and I didn't know I was on the King Ranch. I was just like going to the ranch with Ronnie, right? Yeah. And the first pig I ever killed, I Ronnie died on us about 10 years ago, but the first pig I ever killed, I killed with Ronnie with a t- random 22 250 he had. Okay? 
And I'll never forget that because we pull up on this rice field and there's a big fat pig out there. And I'll never forget a white bird egret sitting on his back. He said, you want to shoot a pig, son? I was like, yeah. So we sneak out there. We get like 60 yards from it. The thing won't pick its head up. Yeah. My uncle Ronnie was crazy in a good way. He was super fun. And he's, <laughs> he goes, hey, pig. And I start laughing. <laughs> pig doesn't pick its head up. Nothing. And he just yells louder and louder. And I'm cracking up and the, and the crosshairs are just bouncing because I'm laughing, right? <laughs> and finally, the pig picks his head up and like, looks at us like, hey, man, what's up? He goes, get him. I've kind of put the crosshairs on kind of the front of the pig and I kind of pull the trigger. Hit him in the <laughs> jaw and his jaw drops. Oh. The pig starts running. The gun disappears. Ronnie yanked it out of my hand and shoots him on the run and goes, ah, good job. You got your pig. Woo. Okay. <laughs> So we go out there and get it. Now, mind you, I'm 12. I've got yeah. a butt about the size of a grapefruit. Skinny as a rail. Ronnie can proceed to cut the nuts off the thing and stuffs one of them in my pocket and says, <laughs> this is the way pig hunters do it. And I sat. I wouldn't touch him. Like, it was disgusting. <laughs> He's like, if you're going to be a pig hunter, you got to have nuts in your pocket. And I sat on those nuts for like five hours in the back of the <laughs> Looking at them like, they're as big as my butt, they seem like, right? I'm just yeah. like, oh my God. He just yanked, pushed them down in my back pocket. Yeah, that's the way the pig hunters do it. Oh my God, that was so funny. That's amazing. Those and, are some of my uh, favorite stories. Those like uh, like rite of passage things that people do to either kids uh, or first crazy time uncles. So funny. Oh my gosh. I don't remember cleaning the pig. We ate it. I mean, they, they butchered it. I don't remember cleaning the pig, nothing. You know, Just one time we were driving down there and he goes, <laughs> I guess he knew where turkeys were. Like he spent a lot of time on the ranch. Yeah. So we come around a corner and he goes, you want to get a turkey? And I'm like, well, yeah. Yes, sir. I would love to shoot a turkey. He goes, all right. We come around the corner. He shoots a turkey. He goes, you got a license? Because you got yourself a turkey. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, 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 that's not the, that's not really what we had in mind here. Good job, son. You got yourself a turkey. Go get it. Oh, he was such a great guy. Great fisherman. Yeah. And so much fun to hang out with. My dad had great Sounds friends like, like that. who would always laugh and, you know, they said crazy stuff, but nothing inappropriate. And it was always laughing. We were always laughing and yeah. having a great time. It wasn't we we were they were serious about killing big deer, but not that not to the point that it was annoying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's too much fun being out there. Yeah, right. Perfect. So I see the deer back there. Yes. I mean, we can't just be me talking all the time. Nobody wants <laughs> to hear that crap. <laughs> all right. Well then I'll give you I'll give you two stories. And I've told I've told that story before of the deer, mm -hmm. but I'll go ahead and give it to you. That's a pretty good deer back there. Yeah, it's not bad. I've never measured it. If I had to guess, uh, I don't know, one one twenty five somewhere in there, something yeah. like that. Um, but it's, it's, but, I like the frame. It's wide and kind of yeah, classic. Yeah, he's uh, he's actually the only only time I've ever been whitetail hunting is is that that fella right there. No kidding. Um, yep, yep. Uh, like I said, new hunter, and so in twenty twenty, like I mentioned to you earlier. I was down here in Texas and I just, I literally, I go on Facebook and I go, Hey, I'm looking for a whitetail mentor. I don't know what's going on down here. There's no public land. Can somebody help yeah, me? Yeah. Right. Um, long story short for that portion of it, this gentleman reaches out and goes, Hey, I got a, I got a little cheat code for you down here in Texas. Rivers are public land. And I'm like, well, what, how does that help me? 
Yeah, right. right. Um, as it turns out, rivers don't actually have to have water in them to be public land. They just have to be navigable. Navigable does not mean water. It means that it's like on average 30 feet wide and water could come down it. So either way, mm-hmm. he gives me a specific river. I'll keep that river to myself. Um, yeah. And uh, basically says, call the game warden. Let him know. Like He's like, here's all the rules, but make sure the warden knows all those rules. So I, I go through this process. I become good buddies with the warden down there. Um, down in uh, the Golden Triangle. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with the Golden Triangle down here in South of Texas. Of course. So I, just, I, I go down there. Uh, there's an easement on the side of the road, right? You can pull over for 10 feet. So I get on the side of the road, drop down in this river, and start hiking. So I actually go in there, and I put up a feeder, put up a game camera. All No legal. kidding. Yeah, yeah. I go down there and, and set this stuff up, and then I, I come back a couple weeks later and, and you know check the camera. I got about 10,000 photos of raccoons. And like 10 pigs mm-hmm. and no yes. deer. So I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, me and my, I'm down there with my buddy. And we're like, you know what? Uh, and mind you, I'm double up buckshot, right? You have to use a shotgun, buckshot. You also can't, your, your, your shot can't leave the actual river. So you can't shoot onto somebody else's land. But this, this particular river is perfect because the, 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 the walls are 30 feet tall. And we're just mm-hmm. hanging out at the bottom of this thing. So I'm like, well, we sat here all morning. We got no deer on camera. We got nothing going on. I was like, let's just walk down this river. It's public land. Like, let's just see what's down there. So we just start walking through mud and muck, and we're seeing dead porcupines everywhere. Um, we're probably two and a half, maybe three miles down this river. And uh, we're like, all right, let's turn around. And we, t- we were just like, let's look around one, one more bend. We look around the bend. Well, actually, looks, let me take a step back. So we're walking, and there's a huge pig. Biggest pig I've actually ever seen. I don't know how big it was, but I pull my shotgun up and blast it. And it runs off. And I'm like, crap. Okay, well, maybe I missed. We go, not a drop of blood. Nothing. And so we can't leave the river, so we can't go look for him. Yep. So we're just like, well, I don't know what to do about that. Uh, but we keep going. And eventually, we do say we're going to turn around, take one more look. There's this big concrete barrier that's in the middle of the river. It doesn't make any sense. Don't know what it is. But my buddy and I are like, let's look what's on the other side, and then let's turn around and call it a day. So we walk up to it. And mind you, this is the river at this point is probably 50 feet wide, and this thing's blocking the entire river. We're 20, 30 feet down. Yeah, it's a dam. Sure. Yeah. But it's like, it's it's not a working dam. It's mm-hmm. been destroyed maybe by a flood or something. Oh. Um, but we, and so we can kind of go underneath it. So we drop down under it, pop it to the side, and of course, tons of debris. And so we're in this little crawl space, I guess, underneath this dam. And I pop up the other side, and there's, there's a buck right there. And so I'm standing there with debris. Like I said, I'm a taller guy. I'm 6'4". And debris up to basically my armpits. And I and, and my gun on my shoulder. And my buddy's down in this mud hole behind me. And he's like pushing me, trying to get me to go. And I'm just like, stop, stop. You know, like trying to get him to like hand me his shotgun. Because I can't get mine off of my shoulder because the deer's staring at me. And so we're staring at each other for, I don't know, it seemed like 15 minutes. I don't know how long it was. But the deer's just stomping trying to get me to move just trying to make me to make some kind of movement mm-hmm. and uh and eventually it turns away and i'm able to get my shotgun off my shoulder pull it up to, and i'm just waiting for a shot and it comes back at me <sighs> stomping stomping and eventually it goes broadside and i feel like it's just about to take off and i let one fly and i immediately see its leg tuck in and i'm like ooh, i got it i got this deer mm-hmm. And it runs up and out of the river. And we're like, shit, okay. So he's like, well, what, what happened, my buddy? What happened? I'm like, I saw a deer. He's like, you sure? <laughs> Either way, we, we go over to where the deer was. We give it like five, ten minutes before we even go to the spot. 
And he's like, well, what do you think's the plan here? And I'm like, well, let's wait 30, 40 minutes. Let's, and there's debris everywhere, right? Yeah. I'm like, let's look for a drop of blood, see if I hit it. And then, uh, and then maybe go look over the edge and see if we can see something. Um, and so we sit there and we don't find any blood, not one drop of blood. Yeah. Yeah. And my buddy is just like, well, you missed the pig at like 20. You know, this deer was probably 45 plus like, maybe you're just a terrible shot. And I'm like, well, maybe, um, but right. I was like, but I, but I saw him tuck his arm in. So as it turns out, buckshot apparently does not leave a good wound, does not leave nope. a good blood trail. Um, mm-hmm. But what happened? Well, so I go up to the edge, still in the river, and we look over the edge. And when I get there, there's 20 plus turkeys that all take off. And you know how when a turkey takes off, it's like, whoa, that big yeah. gust of wind scares the shit out of me. And I yeah, almost sure. fell back into the river. Um, either way, I'm standing there looking, um, and what? And my and I'm like, well, I, I don't know what we do. Like this is wanton waste of game. I got to report it to the warden. Like I fucked up. Um, mm-hmm. But as it turns out, my buddy walks up next to me and he's like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't see the deer. Do you see the deer? We can't leave the river." And apparently, he was just right to our, my right, like 20 yards. So it ran up, hit you know the the. the the first line of like trees and shrubs took a hard right and just went down the edge of the river. So we walked down the river a little ways, grabbed its leg and just pulled it into the river and chopped it up. And there you go. Yeah. Um, weird thing about it. <laughs> weird thing about it was every time I went down to that river, when we came out, there was a truck waiting for us. And that truck followed us around town. And uh, I, I took the, the, the meat and the, everything to the local processor and all that stuff. And, and they were like, oh, you're that guy down in that river. And so, like, it became a thing. <laughs> uh, people in the area definitely knew that there were a couple guys hunting down there. And, and the, the, I had to write some letters to just saying the game warden did everything like he's supposed to. And I know some landowners were trying to get after him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my one whitetail story. That is awesome. I didn't know about the public land thing. That is interesting. Because obviously, yeah. the, obviously the landowners knew about it, or they would have sent some sent the cavalry after you, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the police. Like at one point, I put up a camera on my truck, and people were walking around my truck. The police came, and uh, there's nothing. I, I wasn't doing anything illegal. They called the warden. The warden said that you know they knew that everything was on the up and up, and he even went to his, you know leader i don't know who was above the warden the super mm-hmm. warden i don't know what it's called uh but yeah yep. it was all on the up and up but uh yeah it was a uh, it, it was stressful driving around town with trucks falling you around <laughs> yeah they wanted you to leave town <laughs> yes they did yes they did so um i have some other fun stories about going down into that river but uh i haven't gone back since i just don't uh don't really want to. I, I don't. I don't need that right now. I got too. I got kids now. Yeah, you'll make some <laughs> friends and figure it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you'll figure. You just. You kind of have to screw up to make it right to figure it out, and not just try to be as legal as you can sometimes. And yep. And then if you screw up, you screw up. I mean, I I had a buddy who went to uh, Alaska moose hunting, and I don't know if the width has to be fifty or sixty. It doesn't matter. He yeah. knew. I think it's fifty. I think legal is 50 inches wide. So we're going to go with that. So if there's any Alaska guys, just cut me some slack because I've never seen a moose. Well, I've seen some moose <laughs> in Rocky Mountain National Park, but I've never been moose hunting. But whatever the width was, my buddy knew the width. And they went on one of these float trips where you go for like six days and the guy drops you off and hopes you make it to the other end. Right. I mean, they got planes and they fly over you every once in a while. Make sure you're not yeah. dead. 
and they're floating down the river, and there's a moose, and it's big, and he 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 blasts it, and it just runs inside the river and falls over. He puts a tape on it, and it's forty eight. Yeah, whatever it was, it was two inches under. I think right. it was fifties legal. So what he did was they had a sat phone, and he called his outfitter and said, "I shot an illegal moose. Please tell the uh, please tell the game warden yeah. I'm coming in with the moose. We're three days out. I've got the meat. We've got it preserved. Come pick it up. But let them know we're going to keep going for my buddy's gun. Still going to moose hunt unless they want to pull me off the river. Yeah. But I'm expecting to go to court when I get back and all that crap. Just tell them, right? And so they left the river normally. The guy called it in. Of course, up there, they probably know everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And it turned out to be nothing. They, the judge said, hey, you did the right thing. Like, you you actually caped it out. You took the meat. We're taking yeah. the meat. We'll give and it, it to somebody. It's fine. Yeah. Can't keep the horns, right? And Frank was like, yeah, I get it. So it's two hundred dollar fine, and you and you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> come on back anytime now. <laughs> exactly right. You're the kind of guy. You know, you make a mistake, just call it in. Let yep. us know. But when the the first warden he saw, I think they let him get. You know, it wasn't like a big deal. He got back to camp, got back to town, took a shower. They were at dinner, and then I think that's when they saw the when the warden came in. And I think it was arranged. It was. It wasn't like cops or anything, right? Yeah. And he said, come out here. And he went out there and they had a 63 inch or something, some huge moose in the bed of the game warden's truck. And he goes, yeah, these are some local boys that just do this stuff on their own and act like we don't know about the birds. He said, we fly the river all the time. Yeah. And they didn't report it. That's he said, they're having a bad story. time right now. So thanks for doing that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, you screwed up. Everything's cool. But that guy also said, Hey, but you can come back. We won't kick you out of the state for the rest of your damn life. Right. And, right. and I'll tell you right now, if you, if you were to put a 48 inch moose in front of me with a gun and tell me, yeah, right. shoot a moose, but he's gotta be 50, that 48 is going to look like a 50 to me every time. I don't even know what a 50 inch moose looks like. Frank didn't. Yeah. I, I think it was his first time to hunt him. Like it, it's, it'd be, it would be super hard to figure that out. Yeah. Cause that's why their ears aren't, they don't have 40 inch ears. So that yeah. would help a lot, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. but that's that was an, that's an interesting one there. And a couple of the things I would like. Another thing I'd like to talk about is my kids. Um, primarily, my daughter. She's freaking hilarious. So <clears throat> my daughter's my eldest. She's twenty seven years old, mm-hmm. getting married this Ju- this July and all that stuff. And. Um, yeah, she was raised down there at the ranch, running around. She shot guns with us. She runs an AR pretty clean and all that stuff, but she never really hunted with us. Yeah. I mean, she she was there. We would clean deer, and she'd do all that stuff, but she didn't hunt. And uh, I get a call. She's in college, and it was about two weeks before. We always hunt the week before Thanksgiving because the, the family goes down Thanksgiving, so we always hunt the week before. She called me, she says, hey, Dad, what's up? I said, nothing, what's up, Liv? She says, uh, I got to kill a deer. And I'm like, you mean just like that? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. I said, why do you all of a sudden have to kill a deer? I mean, we can, we can take it. I'll take a deer hunt. You know that. She goes, yeah, I know. She goes, I'm tired of everybody talking to me saying we got a ranch and I ain't never shot a deer. 
So can we just kill a deer? I'll take a picture with it so I can just get this over with. And I was yeah. like, all right. Well, we have cameras <laughs> and we have full MLD tags and all that stuff. We don't have good deer. We don't have a fence. If you kill 130 inch deer on our place, it's big. We just have, we don't have the deer like Texas has the deer in our place. But there were four or five bucks that we were targeting to go. And one of them was a huge bodied deer with 13 points and he had about a 12 inch spread. Yeah. He had no horns. There were, there were points everywhere. And he was about a 150 pound deer, but he was nothing horn wise. And he was on the go list for anybody to get him out of the herd because you know he's breeding because he's a big old deer. Horns don't yeah. mean anything on that. Anyway, she she calls me when she leaves, and I know she's going to be late. So I put everybody kind of scattered around the ranch, and there's this one pipeline we have, and I can get there with everybody hunting and not disturb anybody. Gotcha. So she gets there. Peter's golf at four. She gets there by four fifteen. Okay. She's not a super girly girl, but she's got a ranch gear. So she's got to get a ranch shirt on. It's about 75 degrees, so it isn't rough. I'm like, I'm with my kid. Who cares? Get a couple of beers. <laughs> and I literally just kind of – we get we get on the pipeline like 4.30. We've got 45 minutes to go maybe. Yeah. I kind of throw some corn. I usually put it down pretty good. I just kind of throw some corn out. She's talking 400 miles an hour. We haven't seen each other in two months. And she's telling me about college and all this stuff. I kind of half parked the scooter about 80 yards away <laughs> and just get in the blind. The sun's going down. It's a beautiful evening. It's like 75. Yeah. And we're sitting there. And 10 minutes later, that deer walks out. The, one of the deer on the kill list steps out at 75 yards. And I said, okay. And she pulls the gun up. And I said, you got him? She said, yeah. She's oh, she's shot a lot. I said, all right, let's go. What? I mean, perfect shot right in the heart. Deer runs about 35 yards and goes down. And she says, man, I really like hunting, Dad. This is great. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, kid, good job, you know. And take our photographs, get the sun. The sun was just setting perfect. You know, it was just, it's a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal trip with the kid. That's pretty amazing. I, you know, Dad, I just need to kill a deer just because I'm tired of hearing about it. Yeah. So she's got her deer picture. There you go. And she's never come and shot another deer. <laughs> She'll come to the ranch and shoot clay pigeons and run her AR and blow up tan right with us and, you know, raise hell and help me fill feeders and fart around picking flowers and stuff. But she doesn't, she's never come back to shoot another deer. And uh, she's uh, also, she loves fishing. Yeah. Um, she really likes near shore fishing in Florida. <clears throat> And I just call the charter captains and say, we don't care what we catch. Mm -hmm. Just keep them busy. And the captains yeah. love that. You just put out whatever, catch bonitas or sharks or anything. So we're not killing nothing unless it's going to die. And we don't care what, just pull the string. And the guys are like, oh, sweet. You know, somebody <laughs> doesn't want to focus just on tarpon. I'm like, you find a big school of Jackerville, we're in, brother. Okay. That's awesome. That's he awesome. Yeah, I'm, that. I'm hoping to get to the point where uh, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old right now. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I just can't wait until they can enjoy the outdoors with me. So my four-year-old, I'm hoping to get him um, this hunting season into a blind. Just, you know, give yeah. him some candy and an iPad. Let him just come out with dad. Yeah, sure. Probably, probably wouldn't even shoot anything that, that came just because I wouldn't want to scare him too much. Uh, but yeah. I'm hoping to get him out there and, and hoping to have those kind of experiences with my kids. Yeah, we broke him in that yeah. way. We just uh, took him. 
and you just got to know the situation. They're just going to be a little noisy and you just take them because you take them. Yep. You've got to put yourself aside. Don't worry about the stupid deer. Absolutely. And you'll kill a damn deer. You'll kill a hell of a deer with some kid eating Garnettos. I've done it. And it's hilarious. (laughs) I always took, I took Cokes with us, cop popped the cans open. I didn't care. And they had Cheetos and they'd be throwing crap at each other. But where you're with your kids yeah, and you're exactly. outdoors. Exactly. I'm going to take my son uh, antelope hunting. I, I don't know if you've done that too much, but oh, yeah. you know, like, me and my buddy just spent the whole day in the car. And I'm like, I could bring my little guy on for this. Hang out in the air conditioning while dad goes and crawls around with cactus and rattlesnakes and tarantulas. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Pronghorn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a great kid hunt because it's super busy. You can always go to town if you want to, if you have to. Where you can yeah. always buzz out of the unit and come back. Yep. And it's real active. I, yeah, we, we killed a hell of a damn pronghorn. I think my buddy's deer pronghorn almost made the book. Like, he was right at the book. Oh, wow. In, uh, That's cool. In, in uh, Wyoming four years ago, we, uh, he put, he waited 17 years. Ooh. He put in preference points and he cashed them in. Iron County, Wyoming, I think is where we were. Wherever it was. It's one of the top Boone and Crockett producers out there. And his, I don't know that he ever measured, but I think it was close to the big book. Yeah. I assume he, uh, rifle. Yeah. 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 Okay. We, funny. we, we scouted we were archery uh, hunting antelope and the, we, went, oh. we ran into the warden and we were like, so can you give us any pointers? This is our first season ever. And the warden said, yeah, don't archery hunt antelope. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a rifle. It was, it was rifle antelope. And unfortunately it was over pretty fast. We, he put in so many years of waiting that he booked uh, the hunt was five or six days and he, he scouted for a week. Yeah. And I got there on day three of scouting and we scouted two more days and we found three antelope we wanted to shoot. And this one just kept hanging out in this one little valley that was kind of sneaky. Like the country out there was real flat and then there was these rolling places and then it would get flat again. And this one antelope we he he has tripods and glass and we don't yeah. hunt that much. We we spend a lot of time on optics. And we found him and he's real tall and got big forks. And we called him Hightower. And every morning we'd drive through and he'd be in this little little like if you I know everybody else was driving right through it. It was not much. Yeah. And you see so many antelope, you know, it's just hard to look at them all. They're everywhere. Well, they're not this year, but yeah, Bree's got them. But back then it was nuts. And opening morning, right as the sun came up, we were glassing in this canyon. We saw him, got up on the canyon. We killed him in 30 minutes. That's and it awesome. was over. And then we were, fi- we were fishing for five days. <laughs> we, <laughs> rainbow that. trout and brown trout. It was great. We smoked yeah. those things. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got a story I can tell you. I know that I told you I went on a hog hunt recently and they sent your, your yep. video out, right? Um, so there's a group of us, about six hunters, and we did not see one hog um, mm-hmm. the entire time, basically. But the the guide had a, a cell cam, right, on, on, on a couple of the, the spots. And basically, the first night we went out, left the blind, I don't know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, something like that. The hog was there half an hour later. 
Yeah, sure. Next day, everyone's like, okay, well, that particular blind's like, we're going to sit there again, but this time we're going to hang out in the dark for 45 to an hour and see if something comes up. They had a special hog flashlight, like big red mm -hmm. flashlight, right? Hang out for an hour after dark, nothing. They come back and we're all hanging out around camp, just doing our thing. We have amazing food, just enjoying each other's company. And then, bing, guy gets a little notification. The hog's back. But this time they'd planned on going back and, and being ready. So um, they go in and, you know, you get out there. It's a perfectly quiet night. And so this isn't my story, but this is this gentleman's first ever hunt. So I've, I'll tell his story for him because he'll probably never come on um, tell too many stories, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But it's pretty cool. So they, they get in there. They get about 300 yards. It's all rocks. So they can't get in quietly, and but they can hear the they hear the hog. And he's yeah, like, hear me. Big, big hog. And they can just hear him. So they're like, oh, we got to be super quiet. Take our time. We'll get in there. And the next thing they know, they see something in the sky. Like, what is that? And it's like a military stealth bomber. And it's flying straight at them, directly behind them. And it's it, it flies in super low and creates cover. So now there's all this noise from this stealth bomber flying over the hog, basically, that they just start charging in. So there's, a, there's actually a camera guy, the brand new hunter, and then the guide. And so they're just sprinting through, you know, the Texas wilderness at one in the morning, mm -hmm. trying to gain ground while this, while this stealth bomber is flying through. Um, and they get there then they pop up the, the, the light and they pop up the thing and they, they shoot the pig and it, he's down. Um, turns out the first shot was actually a spine shot. So they walked up mm -hmm. on it and this, this hog, we don't know exactly how big it was, but it was over 300 pounds because it mm -hmm. broke the scale that only that maxed out at 300 pounds. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a big, big boy. But when they walked up on it, it got up onto its front legs and tried to come after them, and they put another one in it and put it down. But the uh, the hog had actually been castrated. Uh, so somebody really? had caught it years ago. My understanding, and you, you probably know more than me, but when they lose their nuts, they aren't worried about women, so they don't lose their weight, and they end up growing just, like, ginormous. So yeah, I've heard huge, that, too. Huge hog, but... Never heard of anyone. I mean, it's not like, you know, they called in the air support, but it was pretty cool that they got to get in on that pig from uh, a, literally like a, a black triangle airplane flying overhead. So, yeah, that is awesome. That's one of the mistakes I made elk hunting. Um, yeah, I, I drew the Gila and uh, <clears throat> it, uh, I drew 16C in 2016, which is a really hard draw. Because New Mexico doesn't have points and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we New draw Mexico it. Stuff. And I um, was sitting on the glass and just trying to find elk. And I saw these three cows go go across, go over this knoll and go downhill. So I'm like, okay, well, I know they're over there. So I look on my GPS and kind of figure out where, where I think they went. And I started moseying in and I find them again. I don't know elk, but I have a video from 200 yards away in the Elk is a seven by seven. My buddy said he's a three fifty plus bull. Yeah, and I'm sitting there. There's no, I mean, he's in the bottom of a little hole. There's water down there. There's seven cows around him, and I'm sitting there going, "Okay, well, if I had a thirty out six, this is over." <laughs> I mean, I'm two hundred yards away, but I do not have a thirty out six. I have a, a compound bow, and. <clears throat> I've got a video of him dozing. He's literally his head will loll over and then he'd pick it up <laughs> and just wobble his head around. And he's seven full points on each side. 
unbelievable. And I'm not naturally aggressive because I hunt public. I've hunted private my whole life and you can always go back. So I'm not thinking like stealth bomber stuff. Yeah. And it starts raining. Up in the mountains, it'll rain for 20 or 30 minutes. You know this more than I do. Oh, yeah. Every day yeah. there's rain somewhere. Yep. And I did not realize that was my chance. When it started raining, I should have just bull rushed him and prayed to God that they wouldn't think anything would run in on them in the rain. Yeah. I should have done it. And I laid there. 2020, right? <laughs> and the rain passed and I went, oh, that was my chance. Because now I'm back where I was, just sitting here in the sunshine. Yep. And yeah. And probably would never got you back the, on your it. scent. It would help you with the sound, with everything. Mm -hmm. I could have just run right in. But right. Yeah. He wouldn't have. It, it was the only chance I had because it was a bad wind spot, low spot. He had all of, he had water, he had food, he had cows around him. He had, he had no, there was no way to die in there except for with a rifle. And yep. that's probably why he picks it oh, for September, right? Oh, that was a right? huge mistake to not even try. Just, yeah. And that's just lack of experience and being a private guy. You just don't, I didn't see the opportunity, you know? Yeah. And I guess that kind of blends into some of the stuff. I wanted to talk a little bit about fishing. One of the things I've been observing, um, when you're fishing, you need to be really paying attention to what's going on around you and what's going on in the ecosystem. Um, my friends all make fun of me. My kids make fun of me. They say, dad's always changing lures all the time. He thinks there's a magic lure. And I stopped fighting with them about 15 years ago because that's not the case. And I'll give you an example. I was in Matagorda fishing with Captain Brett Sweeney, and he's a super good dude and a legit tournament winning. He is a really, really solid fisherman yeah. up and down the Texas coast. <clears throat> so it had, uh, they, were, they had a lot of rain 10 days ago, about three days before we got there, like six inches of rain, like a ton of rain. So the bay is getting flooded. And that's a big shift. And there were birds working, which means shrimp. And I saw the shrimp and they were tiny and clear. And I had nothing in my box that was tiny and clear. <laughs> and I don't know that the trout were eating the tiny and clear, but they were probably eating what was eating the tiny and clear. And then I saw pogies jumping, which are shaped like a shad. And I saw mullet and Crabs were free swimming, like in the current, probably eating the shrimp and stuff. <clears throat> so I kept changing lures because I was, I thought the fish were um, probably a little mixed up or they were going to do something kind of specific. That was a big change. Like two days before the rain, it was just the bay. The, the shrimp weren't washed out of the, out of the back of the bays. <clears throat> and my son said, dude, you kept changing. Well, they weren't exactly whaling on them. Like, listen, if you're catching them on a white willy whacker worm and I don't have one, I'm throwing across your line and pulling it in and cutting your line off and taking your lure from me and you can just deal with it. I'm a, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> so I'm not proud enough that if you're, if, if they'd been catching 10 to one, I'm changing the throwing what they're throwing. I'm not that stubborn about it, yeah. but in that instance, 
I was looking at it and going, God, they've probably changed from what's normal because of this change that's right in front of us. We didn't really do great. We caught a bunch of fish and they were acting weird when they hit it. They wouldn't, they weren't really lightened up. They were just hitting it. And we ended up having a great day, great two days, had a lot of fun. Brett was, Brett's a great guy. And, but it was just the, the ecosystem was weird. And I kept changing, trying to figure them out. And like I said, if uh, somebody would have been throwing a white, we had white worms and Brett is a guy, he's got every lure in the box. So if we needed some specific thing, I'd have thrown it. But in that case, it was, um, you know, I knew that the fish were weird. They were just weird. Yeah. We weren't really, they weren't, you weren't hooking them really good. You know, they weren't, at, when you caught them, they weren't, you weren't, they weren't acting like they were feeding hard. When they really feed hard, that you, you smoke them. I mean, we didn't catch any redfish and Brett said that was weird. And I bet you the redfish were just smashing those shrimp. Huh. It's just too easy just picking them off, chomping through them, just having a great time. Yeah. And it's delicious. That's all I know about redfish. No, yeah, redfish is yummy. Them, but they are tasty. Yeah, they're they're super good to eat. And we had the same situation at the beach this weekend or Monday and Tuesday. The first day they were hitting chartreuse and silver topwaters, and they were they were suicidal on them. They were yeah. eating the front hooks and just getting them. And then the second day they got a little weird. Same conditions, nothing had really changed. And I'd wade into one of the one of the you know, some of the structure down on the beach is really hard to describe. I'm not trying to hide it. I just you need to see it. But anyway, I'd wade in on some we'd drive up, see the structure they were we'd found them on before, wade in there, and I'd fire the top water out there. And then nothing. And there's mullet and everything else. So I'd change lures right there, trying to get one just a flash. Like, show me something. Yeah. And my nephew was throwing, I had my nephew just throwing the, the chartreuse and silver. Stay with that. Keep that one in the water. We know they ate that. But I kept changing on them, trying to get one just to either take a swing, do something. Tell me some message here i mean yesterday you thought we needed nine of them lures and just go to the beach yeah that's never the case i've never spent two days just wailing on them with one thing so i'm farting around and i downsize because it's super clear and it's pretty calm and i go to bone and the first i mean the first cast one eats the front hooks like he was mad at it and the stupid damn thing shifted to bone the next day, just like that. Wow. And I'd gone through, I threw plastic in there. I threw spoons in there. I threw three different other colors of topwaters in there. No flashing. I didn't need them to flash. I didn't need them to jump on it, swing their tail, slap it, nothing. Because often, and I've seen this a lot, and specifically on top, if they tail slap it or jump over it <clears throat> or roll near it, mm -hmm. It's color. So they want top water or they will eat top water, but they want some, I mean, you may change the red and white and all of a sudden it's front hooks. Huh. And I say front hooks. If you're ever fishing with plugs, with lures, if they eat the front hooks, you, everything's right. Gotcha. If you tail hook them on the back hook, 
stick with it, but you're close. Got and it. then all of a sudden you'll change from green to a blue back and they're eating. I mean, they're T-boning it every time, right? Yeah. It's really funky how they get, but that was two days in a row. No big change. Calm in the morning, blows in the afternoon, crystal clear water. Tide was nice and smooth. And the damn things changed on us just like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, we caught a few on the chartreuse and silver as well, but not like the first day. Yeah. And that was I'm just not... from cycling through. Yeah. I mean, whether it's fish or, or hogs, man, like just small little changes in the environment can make a big difference. That, that hog trip I went on, it rained the days that we were there stopped raining when we left and and uh the the guide was sending us all photos being like sorry boys i didn't see many hogs but here's 40 at every one of the feeders today so it's just like well you know why they you know why they backed off the feeders in the rain my understanding is yeah they can they can dig and get their food elsewhere they don't have to go to get the corn they get the, the right. good stuff because the the ground's easy to move so yeah we see that at the it's ranch when tracks, it's green but, when it's yeah. green and been raining and soft now if it stays that way so it at our ranch in Victoria, it's been raining pretty consistent. Uh, the mosquitoes are going to be terrible when the hunting public guys get here. But um, <laughs> it's been raining and pretty consistent, and that's we just have sandy loam dirt down there. So the week it started raining, they pulled off. Yeah, and then they get bored. It's weird. If it'll stay like that, they they'll come right back. It's huh. like after a while they go, oh, okay, we've been rooting long enough. Gotcha. You know, we'll go the easy, we'll go the old Sonic and get us some drive-in Taco Bell. <laughs> Tired of making myself dinner. Let's just go get some free stuff. They'll just, they'll come back. But yeah. at first, anytime there's a, if it hadn't rained and it rains three days, they just don't, they go, they go be pigs and roll around in the mud and dig, dig, dig. And, and yeah, that's, it's. I believe it. That's exactly what happened to us. They were, they were just. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. It just yep. is. Yeah. Well, Troy, you got any more stories for us? I know we've taken up more time than I asked for, so it's up to you. I'm, uh, I'm, we I'm almost, could go I'll sit for, here all night. <laughs> we could go forever. So what you need to do is just call me back, and we'll do it again here in the fall. Sounds good. That sounds and I'll like be full of crap idea. in the fall as well. I mean, <laughs> hunting public guys are coming down and in late June to come hunting with me and run some video and. I've got new broadhead coming out. I've been testing that. And so there'll be no lack of things to talk about. And then your format is conducive to that. I mean, I really, yeah. I think you've, I think you're onto something here. I, I would be persistent, man. Don't get discouraged. Um, yeah. No, I've, I think uh, people really enjoy this kind of stuff. Just hearing, because every one thing I want to tell your audience, you're, you're not mining the data well enough. If you're just listening to the stories, you need to listen to these, to guides and people who do this stuff a lot. They're going to say random things. And I said a couple of things. I said on feral hogs, you got to watch your wind approach. And I wear rubber boots in the summer. That's Only I just... Yeah. 200 yards walk in. That's all. I'll kick my boots off by a tree. And, and then the last 200 yards, I'll wear rubber boots in. So there's no scent trail from your boots. If they circle you, if they hit you, if a big one hits your boot trail, he will leave. Interesting. Let me ask you this. 
Is that the same for like uh, you're, you're in a side by side or Polaris or something? Can they smell like the exhaust? Park or... as far away as you possibly can. One of the greatest yeah. mistakes of feral hog hunting: the pigs stay by the feeders for hours before the feeder goes off. They have nothing else to do. Yeah, we all think that they go to camp, like they have a house. <laughs> you're wrong. If you ever get your own piece of dirt to pig hunt on that you have access to all the time, walk around in a circle one day in the middle of the day when you're not going to hunt or the last day when you're done, like when you're mm -hmm. filling feeders or something and go, you'll find beds within 50 yards of a feeder all over the place. Yeah. They have nothing else to do, dude. Nothing. I believe it. So one of the greatest deer feeder and pig hunting mistakes, you'll see this on video now. You always, they always drive up, they got some beers, they're throwing some extra corn around the feeders, they're talking, walking around the feeders, and a hell of shitload of shoats comes in. Well, anybody can kill the dumb little ones, right? Anything on yeah. 100 pounders, they're stupid. Yeah. But they'll have trail cam picks up a big one, and then when they kill that big one, you don't know that that was that hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but I've done a lot better especially in the summer, they seem to lay down by the feeders about an hour before the deer feeder goes off. Okay. Somewhere within 50 yards of the feeder. That's good to know. That's really good. And to know. I have parked, I park 400 yards or more away. I don't slam the doors. I don't talk. And I make sure my wind approach is clean. Like it's blowing in my face. And I, when you get to the stand, like don't, don't make noise. Yeah. Last year, the hunting public guys were down here and Greg and I went in and we walked in about half a mile. That feeder hadn't been hunted in two months. And I said, dude, he's going to be right there. And the wind approach is super clean behind the feeders, wide open forever, like half a mile, wide open. In front of us is just, you go about 50 yards in and it's crawling around thick. And we climbed up the ladder and I distinctly remember um, we were handing cameras back and forth and getting ready. And I remember banging something on the ladder, like a pink, pink, pink sound. And a pig came out of the bushes. <laughs> he thought the feeder went off. Yeah. Well, he looks, he's 190 pounds. So this is a big boar. That's a big one. And Greg's like, sitting there with all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, this ain't deer hunting, dude. He, he, he ain't looking up here. We're good. Just move, just move slow. He's 20, 35 yards away, but he stopped and he's in the shade. And he looked like that didn't sound like the deer feeder going off. He stood there for 25 minutes. Then he'd scratch <laughs> his nose and he'd wiggle his tail. And Greg's going, this is crazy. And I said, well, the feeder's going to go off. It's obvious because he's waiting. Yeah. And what he, what he did was he said to me, he was right on the edge of the cover and his scent was blowing out and he was keeping everything else away from it. Very common in the summer, especially summer is the best time to kill the big ones. It's horrible weather and the days are way too long, but hopefully you got a fishing tank on your place, but um, <laughs> it's the time to kill the big one. And I said, Greg, the second he, that feeder goes off, he's going to run right in there and stand there. And that pig stood there and stood there and stood there. The feeder goes off. He did a little circle, stopped 17 yards, and Greg smashed him. I mean, 
it was the shortest hunt for a pig ever. Yeah. The hunt part lasted <laughs> about five minutes when it ran in and he got to shoot. But it's little details. So listen to the podcast you listen to, listen to hunting stories and try to mine those things because people are telling you stuff, especially guides and stuff. They say things that's normal to them and it's a, it's a gem for you. You'll, you'll, you will advance five years in your, like that little tip, long approach. Don't drive in beforehand. Absolutely. If you think that you've got a feeder problem, like if you're wondering if it's out or something, put on your rubber boots as quiet as you go in three or four hours before and as little interaction with the feeder as you can just check it. If you think it might be empty or something, don't talk and get the hell out of there and then come back and an hour early and do the same approach gotcha. and you'll be fine. But, um, that little tip there, it took me years to figure that out. And actually the guy, Robert Peck at, at sniper hog lights is the one who told me about that. Yeah. I think that's actually the light that we were using on that one. Hunt. He said, you do not want them to hear the truck. You don't want them to know any change. If you're after the big ones, if you just want to shoot pigs, any pigs, it doesn't matter. We got you. That's, the that's the rubber boots are good because if a big sow gets on your line, she'll run the whole herd off. But if you want to kill big ones, then everybody does. You just got to be careful with them. And they're, they're actually pretty, they're actually kind of special. To kill a really big 200 plus pound pig that's, <clears throat> I mean, you're 6'4", but a 220 pound pig will make you, I mean, you'd be, you'd be surprised how big they are compared to you. Oh my god! That 300 pound hog we killed. It took four of us to move that thing. Like mm -hmm. they, they, it's a bunch of dead weight. Like it was, it was tough yeah. to get that back. There's up nothing to like, grab. It's just yeah. a big blob. Yep. You know, there's, I had to, I had to get a come along and because I hunt by myself a lot and you shoot one over 180 pounds by yourself. Yeah. I, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one. This is funny as hell. So I shot this one that was 220. I bounced a schwacker with a 400 grain broadhead off him right as I was going from mechanical to heavy. Okay. I literally have the video. The schwacker hits him and he runs off and hits a feeder leg and flies in the air. 17 yards. I come back two weeks later with a 650 grain arrow and a single bevel and I smoke his ass. I mean, I shot him in almost the same spot. Arrow penetrated the fletching. He went 60 and I saw dust. I said, ha ha, went over there and got him. Well, I can't do nothing with him and nobody's with me. <laughs> but I had brought two ropes. So I rope, put one rope around his nose. I ran the other over a tree limb, hooked it to the Polaris, and I was going to winch him up, tie the other one off, drive under him and cut the rope and drop him in the bed, which I've done a bunch. Yeah. However, I selected the wrong tree. I drive the players and the tree just goes all the way to the ground. That didn't really go to plan. So I found a bigger tree and it worked out. But if you're ever by yourself and you don't have a come along, which is the best way of thing to have to winch them up, tie a rope around their nose. It's about six feet long. Put another rope around their nose, put it over a big limb, pull them with the scooter up in the air, and then tie them off on the limb with the other rope. And back under them and just cut the rope and it'll drop in the bed. That makes sense. I recommend you get out of the way 
when you cut the rope. Because <laughs> yeah. they will knock you down and you'll fall out of the scooter. I've had that happen, but nobody was with me, so it didn't really yeah. happen. Yeah, exactly, right? And make sure the trees. I've really enough. enjoyed this. This is so far off out of bounds for what I do or get to do. Good. It's super fun. A great, great concept. I really enjoy it. Like I said, call me back point. and we'll, we'll you know, give it three or four months and we'll come back and lie to each other again. It'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hopefully I have some good stories for you. I'm hoping to draw some uh, some pretty special tags this year. I think I have a good shot of uh, a, a good tag in Colorado for elk. And um, a buddy of mine that was actually on the podcast, Braden Ford, invited me out to Kansas where he's got like 160-inch whitetail out there. So um, nice. I'm say 50-50 chance on that. I know that they've got a hold on my my uh, debit card right now. So I'm hoping that means really? that tag. We'll see. They sent an email saying that we put that hold out regardless of whether you draw it. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll know in a couple I've got days. A, I've got uh, eight points in Colorado, and I've got, I'm in for Gunnison Rifle for Mule Deer. Nice. Very nice. My wife is tired of me going western bow hunting. She's like, <laughs> "You've got sixty, you got six hundred guns. Kill a deer, damn Troy." She's more practical than I am. Yeah, that's that. So, I think all wives are. Uh, yeah, like, they Troy, are. man. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. That, that's kind of what we want to do here. I, I think that uh, a lot of people get to talk about things they don't normally talk about, and that's kind of the point. Yeah, right. So, Super fun. Uh, Thank you for having you. me on. Of course. Is there anything you want to share with the people on how they can find you? Obviously, you got the Ranch Ferry YouTube. Anything else you want to share? Otherwise, we'll let you know. No, I'm on Instagram as the Ranch Ferry. You can Google Ranch Ferry. I'm lucky to have a very unique name, a sheer accident. I'm not a marketing person. I didn't think of that, you know, in some kind of a business plan. There's no business plan. So (laughs) I would enjoy if you have any interest in, you know, out of the box thinking for lethality. I'm your man. And you can Google the Ranch Ferry channel on YouTube or hit me on Instagram. I'm posting all kinds of stuff all the time, mostly fishing pictures. And you're going to see a lot of pictures. One of the things I do appreciate, I get about a thousand pictures a year from people who are hunting and have done either they shoot our broadheads or they shoot in my arrow system or whatever. Yeah. And I love posting pictures of everyone else. I'm not the focus. I'm just, I want to be the mouthpiece for your lethality and then I love getting the photographs. So anybody listening to this, if you whack something with the old ranch ferry system, or even if you used my ideas and built another arrow system, but it worked, I don't care. Yeah. I, I just want you to learn something. And I want everyone, as far as the ranch ferry is concerned, to be much more lethal in the field. It's too valuable of time to uh, spend chasing them around. Absolutely. Well, I'll put there's so much links. work involved. I'll, I'll put links to your Instagram and your YouTube and all that stuff in the show notes. So if anybody wants, I appreciate it, man. Click on it. But uh, Troy, thank you again, man. I appreciate you taking yeah. the time. It was some fun stories. I I, uh, I now know someone who's wrestled a, a fish. So yeah, right. Uh, MMA made a fish. Yep. Need any fish <laughs> wrestling tips? I'm your man. Perfect. Man. All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, and have, have a great a night. Evening. And to the listeners, thanks guys for tuning right. in. Bye bye. All right, guys, that's it. Another couple stories in the books. Again, Troy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun uh, telling some of my stories, hearing some of your stories, uh, and I can't wait to hear uh, the next time we connect the new stories that you've made and maybe some of the old ones that you didn't recall tonight. So thank you again, sir. It was a pleasure. Uh, For you listeners out there, thank you guys again, of course, for tuning in. Uh, I always do appreciate it. I'm having a lot of fun here, and I hope you are too. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, please share the podcast with someone and uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, kind of helps me with some downloads and uh, gets us additional storytellers. 
So that's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Uh, beyond that, guys, you know what the deal is. Go out there and make some stories of your own. <laughs>